And uh, in interestingly, that scripture in Acts chapter 4, which uh, Jeremy was using a lot of in that message, was my next scripture in the list in my notes. It's literally the next thing in my notes as to where I stopped off my session. So we're going to go back to Acts 4. Jeremy said some of it, and I'll add some more things in, and then we'll go on to some other scriptures. And, uh, but what we've been talking about, and uh, the, the, the main focus, I covered quite a lot in the last session uh, about the book of Acts, but one of the things is that we're zeroing in on is this phrase where it says they were with one accord. We, we, want, we want book of Acts Christianity, don't we? Yeah. You know... They didn't, one, I can tell you one thing they did not have in the book of Acts, and they didn't have formality and ceremony and tradition. And they didn't all wear, you know, didn't all the apostles didn't wear specific garments and stuff. That all came later. That all came later, some of it hundreds of years later. But I'll tell you what they did have. They had the manifestation of the Spirit of God. They had the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting. They had God moving, God showing up. Now, when, when I say God showing up, I mean, you know, people, people sometimes say, well, you know, God showed up in our service. We just felt this lovely presence of the Lord. Well, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be try try say it nicely. Like I said, you know, I won't just be teacher hard. I'll be a little bit pastoral with saying it. <laughs> you know, yes, it's lovely that you feel the presence of God. But again, they had buildings shaking with the power of God. They didn't just feel a nice little bit of peace in the environment. They had it overflowing into the streets and into the environment, not just happening in their, in, within their four walls. A lot of what we see in Acts chapter 2 with the day of Pentecost did not just stay in the upper room. It's 3,000 people saved. That's not because the 3,000 people came into the upper room. It'd be a big upper room. It's because the move and manifestation of the Holy Spirit overflowed into the city. And this is what, this is what, this is what I believe we need to be believing for. And, and, and yes, do outreach. Yes, but I'm, and, and that's important to the city. I'm not minimizing it, but I'm talking about the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit overflowing into the environment. It couldn't be contained in one place. And, and, and the, the, the anointing that was on them began to touch the environment. But one of, one of the things I wanted to say, and I started saying in the last session, is, you know, well, let me put it this way. Do, do, do we want to walk in that kind of manifestation? Yeah. I do not believe that kind of manifestation was just for the, just for the early church, as some people call them. I believe in a God who goes from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. I believe, you know, the Bible talks about the early and the latter rain. Do you know that, well, the early rain, early rain is kind of the first one, the early rain, yeah? Latter rain is? Later on. It's the next, it's the later one. But before the harvest, really, it's the last bit of rain that really pulls. Do you know that? And I read this somewhere. They, they say that um, in, in that part of the world, it might be different in different part of the world, but in that part of the world, the latter rain was about seven times as much rain as the former rain. Now, whether it's about seven and whether it's about an exact multiplication or whatever, but, but, but what do we say? The latter rain's more. And tell me they had more then of the movement manifestation of the Holy Spirit. If they had more and we're getting something's not connecting somewhere. And there's all kinds of factors. Like I said, we can talk about the individual vessels that were used, Peter, Stephen, and the things in their lives. That's important. We can also look at the way they function in some areas. And, and we've touched on this. Boldness. Boldness. They were, they were bold. Of the factor here, they, they, they were in one accord. We, we would use the word unity. Wouldn't we? But but what I'm but but what I want to challenge people with is what exactly was that unity? Because the unity, see, is it people that use the scriptures about unity, but they forget about other scriptures in Acts? They were in unity, but not with everybody. That doesn't sound like unity, does it? So we think unity means you've got to be unified with everybody. 
No, no, no. There, there were, we just saw in Acts 15 when a messenger rose up to say, no, you've got to keep the law of Moses. It went in unity with that group. Were they? Paul Barnabas had no small contention with them. And then they take it to Jerusalem, sit and Peter, James, John, and them, and Paul, and the others talk about it. And at the end, the, the conclusion they came to in what they present was not a compromise between the two positions, was it? Did they say, well, we need to find a middle ground as a church, and you know, some, some in the church believe we've got to follow the Lord Moses, and some in the church believe we've got to do it by faith. So let's find a middle ground, and this will be our doctrine. Do you realize that the, their end solution aligned 100% with what Paul was already saying? What about the other group who wanted to believe the other things? They, they, didn't, they didn't try to become unified with them, did they? This is offensive to some people. Unity for unity's sake the expense of truth involving compromise is not godly unity. There's a lot of, oh, we've got to be unity, you've got to be unity. So, so you guys just tone down a little bit, don't talk too much about healing, God healing everybody. Because, you know, this group doesn't believe it's God's will to heal everybody. This believe it's, group it's, believe it's God's will to heal everybody. So let's all be in unity. And it usually means... Those who stand strong on truth are the ones who have to water down and calm down. Because if you don't, they'll be out the door and it's gone, gone as their message of unity. I was talking to a pastor a few couple of years ago, just when God began to stir some things in my heart. And we had a good, we had a good conversation. And, and, but it was all about, he was telling me how, how he believed we Christians, we need to unify. We need to work together and all this. It sounded good. Sounded wonderful. We had a wonderful conversation. We were talking about doing some stuff together. He was from a different church group and stuff, you know, and, 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 and things. But it went really well. He was talking, yes, we're also believing for a revival. We're also believing for this. And I thought, this is going well. There's something we can build on here. So anyway, I didn't hear from him for a, a week or two after our conversation. And I was expecting to because we were going to kind of follow up on some things. He just went silent. Now, remember, he was the one telling me about how we must all be in unity. And in fact, he, he, he spent a lot of the conversation telling me how, how it, other churches in the environment wouldn't work with him because they believe different things. But he thinks we need to learn unity. Make note of that. So, so anyway, he goes silent on me. So I messaged, I gave it a couple more weeks. Just maybe he's busy or something. And then I message him and say, hey, you know, have you had any more thoughts? This was his reply. He said, no, I don't want to work with you because I was watching some of your videos and you believe it's God's will to heal, heal everybody. So I'm, I, I'm not working with you. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? That contradicts everything you said in our conversation. Who broke the unity? He wanted me to come. You know what compromise would mean? His position is God doesn't heal everybody. My position is it's God's will to heal everybody. So in his eyes, the only way we could get unity is I had to water down my position to more like his position. That was what he found as unity. He was in control, exactly. And that is what most people, when they really talk about unity, that's what they actually mean. Because the moment in the so-called unified group, you pray too loud in tongues, the ones who don't believe in tongues won't come back. But they just preached everybody about how they must all be in unity. They won't compromise. They want us to. Don't talk too loud. Don't pray too loud. Don't talk about tongues. Don't talk about the Holy Spirit. That offends some in the group now. Don't talk about healing because some of them don't like that. This all be in unity. In other words, you compromise. Now, this is my point. In the book of Acts, unity did not mean compromise. Like I said, in, you know, in a marriage or in a relationship as humans, sometimes you've got to compromise. When it comes to the things of God, God does not have to change. There's no compromise of truth. 
Apostle Jeremy said, I'm the way, the truth. Yes, Jesus was love. He was truth too. Amen. So if we want to, we want to experience the kind of manifestation they had in the book of Acts, we mustn't just push a message. Oh, the only way we're going to get it is unity. I'm about to look at scriptures. I'm going to show you more that they were not in unity with everybody. The unity was within a certain group who were united in common purpose, belief, vision, and, 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 and other things. But when one break a great group wanted to break away because they didn't believe the same things, they didn't run off. And, no, 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 we'll, we'll water down our message. Just come, because we know we need to be in unity. No. It's not how you, that's not how Book of Acts unity worked. Let's look, let's, let's go to Acts 4. See, some people want to emphasize unity scriptures but ignore some other things. Well, let's look at the other things they want to ignore. <laughs> Real unity in acts combined with no compromise. It was not a unity on compromise. It was a unity on no compromise. You can have a fleshly unity. You can have a man-manufactured unity. We can have an ungodly unity. Because, oh, what do you mean ungodly unity? Unity is always good. Ever heard of the Tower of Babel? Were they unified? Did God say, oh, it's what I've always wanted humans to be unified. Yay! Was God excited about that unity? Was God just looking for unity amongst humanity for the sake of unity? No. There's unity in the Bible God did not approve of. Tara Babel's one of them. Like I said in the previous session, the crowd crucified Jesus and chanted, crucify him, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. That crowd was unified. Wasn't godly. You can have an ungodly unity. You can have unity around the wrong things in an ungodly way. Yes, we want unity, but we wanted God's way of having unity. Godly unity. What exactly is that? Let's, let's, look, let's look at some things. Acts chapter 4. You guys have got until about 4 o'clock this afternoon, yeah? Good. It's Acts chapter 4, where, where, where Jeremy was looking at in the previous session. So I won't read it all. But we will, I will read Acts chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 again. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, what reaction did the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees have to what the apostles were doing? Verse 2. They were greatly disturbed. Why? What, what was disturbing them? Someone said, what was disturbing them? Okay, but you missed a word out. That they, mine says taught, yours says preached. It's the same concept, really. They were being disturbed by what they were teaching and preaching. That was what was disturbing the, 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 this other group. And then they tried to silence them. Yes, they might have had authority, but they wanted to silence the message that was being taught. It sounds a little bit like people, oh, don't teach that tongue stuff. This group doesn't like it. Did Paul, did, did, who was it? Peter and John, I can't remember. Yeah, Peter and John. Did, did they, oh, all right, well, tone down our preaching. We won't teach it because your group doesn't like it. But I, but I thought Peter and they were all in one accord, weren't they? This was the unity group. No, they didn't turn down what they preached just because of unity. They did not compromise truth for the sake of unity. Now, this is offensive to some people because there are, there are some people who think that, that, that we've got to have unity in the church at all costs, even if it means changing what we preach, watering down, whatever. I've even heard Christians telling me we need to start unifying with the cults who don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. I'm not going to go 
what? Oh no, but we're all Christians. We must all be unified. This is the kind of that, that, yeah, it is deception. What did Jesus say about the doctrine of the Pharisees? He called it leaven. A little leaven, it spreads and it gets into it all. What happens when we just start letting all the leaven in? Is it going to have a positive effect? Or should we be protective of truth and bold and uncompromising with truth? And then those who are bold and uncompromising with truth have unity amongst themselves. Unity of purpose, vision, unity of message. This message is offensive to some people. Waving at the camera. Because it is being pushed more and more in the body of Christ that we must just have unity, 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 unity. It's amazing. They, they've all been unifying and yet not much more glory of God manifesting. Why? Because it's a unity based upon compromise. Okay. Now, let's keep reading. Let's jump a little bit. As I said, uh, Jeremy read some of it. Um, Verse 13, let's look at the bit that, that was read as well. Now, when they saw the, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were not uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they'd been with Jesus. So, so what happens next? They, they, verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach. What were they trying to do? Silence the message. Did Peter and James, or John, Peter and John, I'll get it right in a minute. Did they say, we just want to protect the unity, so we'll tone it down? What was Peter and John's response in verse 19? Peter and John answered and said, We realize this upsets your group. So we'll have a word with, with the people in our group. And we'll tell the people in our group not to say certain things because your group doesn't like it. Because we're trying to please people here. No. Not, uh, we're not pleasing people. What did, what did you say? Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Now, I get the impression from that. Peter and John had already made up their mind the answer to that question. They said, you decide whether, whether you think we should obey man or God. But the implication is we've already decided we ain't obeying man, we're obeying God. Do, do, you, do, do you see them trying to just unify with this group? No, you do not. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. Peter did not say, oh, we're sorry. We don't want to upset and offend everybody. We won't be so vocal about it. You know what would have happened? Manifestation of the Spirit of God would have gone straight down at that point. That, that early on in Acts would have had effect. Peter and John did not say, well, you know, we want to protect the unity here. Sorry, I knocked my notes and, and just gone. So we'll quieten down. Or, you know, let, let us know if there's anything else that upsets you that our group is doing. And we can change that too. And before we know it, you'll change everything about us and we'll be just like you. Yeah, exactly. And then we can all be in unity because we'll be now united with your cause. And the gospel will have gone out the window. Now, that's not what they said. Now, let's jump to verse 23. And being let go, where did they go? This is the group they were in unity with. 
outside of this group, they had no desire to push for unity unless you became part of that group. Now you can become part of the unity that already existed. Do you see the difference? There was unity within that group, but outside of that group, it's like we ain't compromising. And to be part of that group, you've got to be just as uncompromising as us. Now let's, let's keep going up, down. What did they pray? Pastor Jeremy's already mentioned some of it, but look at verse 29. This is what they began to pray. Obviously, they, they started off with praise, you are God. But now let's get to, to, to where they begin to talk about the situation. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And um, help us to be more people-friendly. Is that what they prayed? Lord, look at their threats and help us to say it in a way that doesn't upset them. Is that what they said? Do, do you see here, they are not trying to achieve unity at all costs. They are pushing, there's unity, but they are, that is balanced with no compromise and with boldness. These qualities all work together. When you raise unity up above no compromise and boldness, you ended up with watered down message and the spirit of the God out of the door. I realize this is not what everyone else preaches about unity. If you want to go what, listen to what everyone else preaches about unity, you're welcome to. <laughs> so what did they pray? They did not pray. Help us help make us more user friendly and people friendly and say it in a way that doesn't upset them. Since when is the church message supposed to be one that doesn't upset people? That's pleasing man. There's too much of that going on in the body of Christ. I again, you know what? I'm sorry. No, I'm not, but 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 that's a phrase. It's what I said in the last session. Let's get this job done. I don't have time to play games anymore. You want to play games and mess around with the anointing and mess around with the things of God and all compromise and please each other for another 20 years and 30 years, 40 years and have no revival, no manifestation of the Spirit of God. You go right ahead. But I want the move and the manifestation of God. And I want it in the United Kingdom. And in Southport. And in Warrington. And everywhere else. And in Wales. Amen. <clears throat> what did they pray? They are now in a situation where there is a group of people who are disturbed and upset at what they are teaching and preaching. What did they pray? Verse 29. Now, Lord, grant, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Let us help us speak it louder and bolder is what they said. That's exactly what was causing the problem with the group who was disturbed. What they were teaching and preaching. What does that tell you? Hey, we're not being reserved about it. We're not backing down on this. I'm talking about unity without, comp without compromise. Unity and un we should be united and uncompromising. That's what I'm trying to say. In other words, they're praying to God, Lord, help us to keep speaking the things that are offending them. That's their prayer, isn't it? Lord, help us to keep saying it more, even louder and even bolder. <laughs> does not sound like someone to me who is pushing for unity at all costs. You don't like me talking about pr praying in tongues? Lord, help me say it louder. <laughs> you don't want me to tell, say God heal. Lord, help me preach it bolder and say it louder. You don't want me to talk about the Holy Spirit? Lord, help me to preach it bolder and even louder than I ever have. I ain't toning it down. Please, people. The enemy wants truth silenced. 
And he will push a message even within the church that we must back down on the things we're saying because it's upsetting some people. Who do you think wants the truth silenced? He said, oh, yeah, but Jesus was love. So again, Pastor Jeremy mentioned this about Jesus. Yes, he was love, but he was also truth. You, you, you show me where Jesus said, oh, sorry, sorry, I won't say it anymore. It upsets, you know, I heard the Pharisees were upset. In fact, isn't there a scripture where they came and said, you know, the Pharisees were upset with that, what you said. How did Jesus react? Did he say, oh, okay, all right, I'll make sure I don't say it next time. Is this what love was? Jesus walked in love? Does that mean he backed down on saying the things? No, he, was, he, was, he had love, but he was uncompromising. He did not back down, he did not water it down, and he did not become quiet with what he was there to preach. So the unity in Acts was between those of like heart, like mind, like belief, like vision, like purpose. But outside of that group, there was no push for unity. What's that? Am I just making this up? No. Can you see what I'm saying? Should we just push for unity at all costs? Or do we want godly unity and being in one accord? They were not motivated in acts to get everybody unified and to unify themselves with every lie and error being spread around. Their unity did not override their boldness and it did not override them, override their, well, it did not cause them to compromise. It didn't cause them to tiptoe around people. Let's look at some other things. Acts 15, uh, okay, we looked at Acts 15 already. Let's go to Acts, uh, Acts 23. Jesus did not water down what he said for the sake of unity. I mean, the whole city of Jerusalem was in uproar because of Jesus. When they were, crucify him, crucify him, yeah? Does that sound like someone who's trying to please everybody? <laughs> no. I do not see examples where Paul, where Paul watered down what he stood for and what he believed just to make sure everyone was in unity with him. Do you? Let's look at some scriptures. Acts, Acts, Acts uh, 23, is that the one we went to? Acts 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived, now he's standing here in front of the, the, the Jewish council. He's been hauled up on charges or whatever. They're upset with him again. <laughs> this is Acts 23. The one we read before was Acts 4. Doesn't sound like much. Has, have they stopped trying to upset people? Have they, have, has the message calmed down? Now, 23 chapters later, we've learned we did it wrong in Acts 4. Let's calm it down a little bit. That's exactly, he's just upset another group here. Everywhere they go, they're upsetting people. Do you see? And yet they're in unity. Are they in unity with everybody? No. See, the enemy wants, <laughs> this is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to water down and compromise so that we can be at unity with all the other, every, everyone and everything else. And then he wants to get within our own little group disunity by getting us all focused on our own purposes and not uniting behind a common purpose and vision. So he gives us a false unity and destroys the real unity. And then we wonder why there's no manifestation of the Spirit of God. So Acts, Acts chapter 23. But when Paul perceived that one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he, I love this. He cried out in the council, men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Well, he cried it out, so I'm crying it out, yeah? Sometimes we read the Bible like it all happened in monotone. <laughs> you know, when Jesus said, hypocrites, he didn't go, hypocrites. Yes, he called them dogs. He called them hypocrites too. He called them a brood of harpers. Remember what Jeremy was saying that he called them Called them, um, you know, dog. He, he, you know, and tiptoe around some things. But anyway, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead. I've been, ju I've been judged. 
Paul knew exactly what he was doing. He realized it's connected to that phrase. It says he perceived when one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees. He knew that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. He was raised as a Pharisee. He knew their own divisions. Yeah? What does he do here? He intentionally stirs the division up. Does that sound like a guy who's going to push for unity at all costs? He intentionally splits this council straight down the middle. This book of Acts Christianity, yeah? Oh, you know, we don't want to mention this because that, that some of the, some, <laughs> I think if Paul walked into some things, he would, he would literally he'd speak up. He'd say exactly what's going to offend them. Even if it meant splitting the group right down the middle because it divides. And very often that might divide for the ones who are really hungry for truth and for the things of God and the others that are playing games. Is this all right to preach in your church? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> Do you see that? He's intentionally splits. Verse 7, and when he had said this, a dissension arose. Is this unity at, at all costs? No, it's not. Not all unity is good. Not all unity is good. Is it? Some of you are still not convinced. Do you think, you know, okay, let's look at some wrong types of unity. Unity comes as we align more with God. God's ain't changing to you. Now the Bible says, unless, what, what, what's needed for two people to walk together? How can two people walk together unless they be? Okay. Now it's one thing, like I said, for two human beings where we both might need to change because none of us are perfect. But if we are to walk with God, How's it, how is walking with God going to happen? Is God going to change to you? How can two walk together unless they be? Who changes? Does God change? You can't change perfection and truth. God doesn't water himself down. So the degree that you walk with God is directly to, connected to the degree you're walking in agreement with him. He doesn't water himself down. He says, you, you adjust to me. That's not because he's egotistical. He's a, he, he knows a lot more than us. He he's all wise. He really knows how we should be walking. Let's look at some things. Um, Acts chapter 7. I just want you to see, not all unity is good. Are you getting something out of this this morning, these sessions? Is this going to stir you up? Are we supposed to be running around trying to get everybody to, to accept us? And, and No. Do you, did, did Paul try to make that council accept him so he could impress them? No. No, he didn't. Acts chapter 7. This is, this is the stoning of Stephen. All right? I won't read the whole chapter because it's not there, but... Let me ask this, Stephen's message, what he preached, did the people like what he preached? No. His message was offensive to them. It stirred them up. But did Stephen back down? Did he compromise? Did he say, oh, no, we need to try and please everybody? No. See, Book of Acts Christianity wasn't trying to please everybody. Now, what happened? Let's go to what, what ends up happening. Verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> you talk about greater works. I mean, I mean, that's incredible. He's just, he's just, you know, I've always pictured him looking up, but I don't think it actually says he specifically looks, but just he looked to heaven. It might have happened right in front of him. Just looked at heaven right there. That's not, it's just as his vision while all this is going. That's, then read over verses like that. That's his awe inspiring. Wow, what happened there? It's 
about a manifestation of God happening in this man's life. Now, he's already offended them with the message. Now, verse 56, he says, look, I see the heavens opened. <laughs> now, they are upset about Jesus, aren't they? And what he's preaching about the resurrection. Now he says, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This sounds like a man who's provoking them even more. <laughs> They're already upset about him preaching about the Son of Man. Now he has the cheek to say to them, oh, he's sitting right by your God. <laughs> That was even more offensive to them. Verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and notice this, and ran at him with one accord. That crowd was united, weren't they? Was it a godly unity? No. No. They united to stone him. That's what happens next. They're united to stone him. Unity is not always good. If it's the wrong people unified, or if it's unity against truth, and against the things of God, and against what God is saying, it's not a God good unity. There's other examples. I'm going to go through them all just because of time. But you, you, in both Acts 18 and 19... You see a crowd of people who were united against Paul, and it uses the phrase, with one accord. They grabbed him in it's Acts 18.12. They, it says, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Did Paul say, oh, sorry, guys, I need to join your unity group. So I'll water my stuff down. No. Riot breaks out in the city. I've already mentioned the Tower of Babel. I've already mentioned the ones who, who united to, to, to crucify Jesus. Let's go to this one, Numbers 14. I'll show you another group who was, uni who was united. You might say, well, some of the ones I've mentioned were, were not the, the people of God. Or, and it, well, you know, and they were like kind of outside the church. Well, Numbers 14, I'll show you when the people of God united in the wrong way. We all know it. This is when the children of Israel are on the, on the verge of the promised land. What happened? They got united in unbelief. Is it possible to have united unbelief? Is it possible for people to unite around the fact that they do not believe things God said? Is that a good? Did God approve of this? Union? Did God look at this group of people, the children of Israel? Just, okay, get to the promised land. They send in the spies, 10, 12 spies, 10 come back with a bad report. The congregation believes the bad reports, and they unify around that bad report, don't they? Did God say, oh, at last my people are unified. Joshua and Caleb, you're the only two not unified in this group. Naughty, naughty, naughty. I've been trying to get a united people of God for so long now, and at last, this group is in unity. No, God's not impressed with their unity, is he? It's the wrong type of unity. They are united in going against what God said. So, should we, today, when we've got things like this in the Bible showing us God did not approve of their unity, should we today be happy to unite in a way where we have to go against the Word of God to unite? No. No. Okay? This message is going to be offensive to some people. It's all right. You can unlock the page if you don't want to. I don't mind. I don't count my numbers on my, my views. It really means nothing to me. Zero views means nothing to me anymore. It used to, it used to bother me, and I thought, you know what? I really don't care. As long as I'm pleasing the one, yeah, it's all that matters to me. But let's just read this, and then we'll close off. 
Numbers 14, verse 1. So all the congregation. How much of the congregation? Oh. Now, congregation there, you know, congregation to us usually means a church. But, uh, I mean, they weren't technically a church. Although, actually, the Bible calls them the church in the wilderness. So they were a church congregation in a sense. New Testament actually refers to them as the church in the wilderness. I think this, no, I won't say that. That my, no, anyway. <laughs> I think that was just me, not, not, not the Spirit of God. That was just my, me wanting to make a joke I probably shouldn't make. No. No. <laughs> Number, let's get back to what I was, now all the congregation. So the whole church is in unity. They lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. But you've already said, this is not a godly unity, is it? God's not happy with this unity. But the whole church is united. That we, by what some people are saying these days, you'd think that's a good thing. They're united around the wrong things. And God's not going to put his blessing on it. Yes, I agree. I know Ephesians talks about the body coming to the unity of the faith. I know that. But if it's, a, if it's unity around the wrong things, there ain't going to be manifestation of the Spirit of God. And there are a lot of people trying to manufacture that unity and compromising in order to get that unity, not realizing that their compromise is going to re reduce some of the manifestation of the Spirit of God, not increase it. Because unity must be balanced with boldness and no compromise. People say, well, how do you, that's impossible. You can't have unity with no compromise. Yeah, in your natural head, you can't when you're thinking naturally. But with God, it can certainly be achieved. Yeah, I know this message goes cross-grain to what a lot of people are saying about unity. <laughs> but I'm giving you scriptures, aren't I? You, you, if, you, if you want to say, I don't believe what Owen preached today, he was wrong, you go, it's not going to bother me. I'm really not going to be bothered. But I would encourage you to be like the Bereans and search the scriptures to see whether these things are so. And see whether the Bible pushes a message of unity at all costs. Or whether the Bible presses a message of unity around truth and around no compromise. And you decide, you tell me which one. Which one did, Je was Je did Jesus push for unity at all costs? Did Paul? No, none of them did. And they walked in the manifestation of the glory of God. I'd rather follow them than what other people are saying, who are not walking in the manifestation of the glory of God. Okay? Verse 5. So Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Now Moses is falling on his face before God. Now, did Moses lie before God and say, Wow, God, at last my church is in unity. I'm so happy. Is that what Moses prayed? No. <laughs> verse 11. Oh, hold on before we get to verse 11. Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. But they're in unity. I thought, I thought unity is a good thing. And here, it's in their unity, they are rebelling against God. Does that sound like a good unity? No. Now notice, now notice verse um, 11. Actually, we'll read verse 10. And all the congregation, yeah, the, the whole congregation is unified again. About what? To stone them with stones. They're going to stone Joshua and Caleb and probably Moses too, I think. Why? Those are the ones not in unity. <laughs> Those are the ones going the other way. Let's stone them. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle. Someone says, oh, yes, you see unity and the glory appeared. This was not a good manifestation of the glory about to happen. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, what did, what did he say? How long will these people reject me? 
Is God excited about the unity? And I keep saying this. God is taking this situation as rejection of him. Why? What are they rejecting? They're unified. They are rejecting what God had said. And they were united in unbelief. There are people in the body of Christ that are uniting around their unbelief right now. And their rejection of the word in some areas. And then they're telling us, you come be united with us and compromise and water down what you're saying. We'll love you. And let's finish the rest of it. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me and how long will they not believe me? Was it important to God that they were unified or was it important to God that they believed him? That's what he was looking for. Well, I think, I think I've got out what I need to say. And I hope this stirs you up. I hope you grab it. If you want to reject it, that's up to you. But I hope you grab it. We've got to decide. Do I want to compromise? Or do I want the manifestation of God's presence? Do I want to water, water things down? Or, do, or am I willing to say, though none go with me, I'm still going. No matter if everyone else doesn't want to unite with me. I am going the way of God. And if you want unity with me, you come the way we're going. But we're going into the glory. We're going into the presence. We're pursuing truth. We're pursuing the truth of the word of the God of God, and we will not compromise it. And in that environment, we will draw together a united group who are united in vision and purpose on the truths of the word of God and walking closer with God. Amen? And I believe in that kind of environment, you'll see greater manifestations of the Spirit of God. Let's close in prayer. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We magnify you and glorify you. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord God, I, I, we want to be a people that seek your glory. And we want to be a people that, that, that seek the reward that comes from above. Not to please people, not to please man, not to impress man. And we want to, we want to walk in the, in the greater manifestation of your presence. But we, we also recognize for that to take place, we've got to walk the way that you're showing us to walk. And that means we've got to make a decision. Are we going to be reserved or are we going to... Are we going to compromise or are we going to be bolder with preaching the truth and stand strong on what the word says? And I thank you, Father God, that as we do that, I believe, I believe that you said, you said, the Lord, the Lord uh, I'm going to just say this. God said, God said in his word, those that honor me, I will honor. And when we make that decision, I am not going to compromise. I will honor God. I will honor his word. I believe God will honor those people back. And we might not have seen it up until now. And some of you might think, well, you know, we've taken a stand and maybe we haven't seen some things. Don't, don't let your past determine your, your, your future. Don't, don't let disappointments and being let down and not seeing things happen before Stop you believing what God is saying and doing now. And make a determination that we are going to be of one accord as a group. And we're going to unite behind the vision. And we're going to say, we're here to get this job done. We're here to see the word of God take root in this nation. God raised us up for a purpose. With his word, he equipped us with his word. 
I didn't come to the UK to water down what God invested into my life. I came here to stand strong on the word of God, to preach faith, to preach the Holy Spirit, to preach healing. And I am believing God, and I believe we will see it. We will see the theology of this nation change. For too long, tradition and religion has dominated the church in this country and watered it down. And if it takes bold voices and revivalists to stand strong in the Word of God and to rise up even in the face of it being unpopular, we've got to decide whether we're willing to do that. But between us, we draw together behind that purpose. Amen? And God will manifest in that environment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father God, I thank you for the word that you have invested in our lives. And I don't just mean today, I mean in our lives. And people here, that God has invested the word into your life. Don't back down off that word. Honor God by honoring the word he's invested into your life. And he will honor you. He will come through for you. He will move. He will manifest and he'll do what he needs to, what needs to be done. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Well, that's everything I've got. Unless there's anything you've got, Jeremy or Brenda or anything. Okay. Praise God. So we will, we'll be back with these. Uh, we do the, these in Southport. We're doing on the first Saturday of uh, every month. So put that in your diary. It's consistent. So you don't have to, you can put that three, four, five, six months in advance. So you don't have to book anything else. And then get other people in. It's always in that same slot. And then we've got others. We're in Warrington, second Saturday. But, but, but we're, we're going to get this nation saturated in the word. We're going to get this nation saturated in the word. I'm going to see this nation transformed by the, by the truth of the word of God. Amen. I could so easily just keep going and preaching up here. There's a lot of utterance up here. So I'm literally just going to go, okay. Yeah, we know. Just. So bless you all and we'll see you all soon.